2: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Jerry Rowland are here with me. So, it's Stuff You Should Know. That's right. Welcome. <clears throat> That's nice. Yeah. That's friendly. Still coming. Ooh, German friendly. Bienvenue. French friendly. Is that French? I believe so. Okay. How's it going? It's going fine. It's still snowing. That's right. <laughs> People are like, weeks later, it's snowing. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, because we're releasing this one around tax time because it's appropriate. That's right,
0: April fifteenth, people. Yep, the dreaded day. It is dreaded. I feel sorry for people with that birthday because <laughs> really? it's just associated with you know pain and suffering.
2: Well, you should know. I mean, like think about it. That's one good thing on that day. Yeah, is their birthday. Yeah, you know. I think we should all celebrate like a half birthday or a mini birthday <laughs> on April fifteenth. Just to kind of alleviate tax day. That's right. So we're talking about taxes, specifically income tax,
0: which is everyone's favorite tax to pay. Is, <laughs> is go out and work hard for your money and then give so hard a, for give it, a significant portion of that to the government.
2: Right. That's tax day.
0: I'm not going to tax bash. I'm going to try not to tax bash. It's kind of tough not to. And because I, have I know to you got to pay taxes. I get it. But man, it's just government takes a bite.
2: Well, it's not that even it takes a bite that they tinkle so much of it away. I know. You know? Yeah. And Oh, my God. It's so maddening. The older I get, the more <laughs> I'm just like, you have to be <laughs> kidding me.
0: Yeah. When you're younger, you don't think about that stuff as much. Or at least I didn't. You get a little older and you're like, wait a minute pay how much in taxes exactly all right let's get into this
2: all right chuck so um we're talking income tax specifically not yes. just taxes but um this country has a long history of hating taxes and yeah. it goes back to the very um point that it was founded on uh, which was in part the breaking away from um great britain yeah england um because of taxation without representation if you're a colonist you were taxed, man, all over the place.
0: Yeah. And um, what they found, though, was when we got our independence, the U.S. government formed and started taxing all the same stuff. And I imagine they didn't love it, but they were like, well, at, at least we're represented, which is kind of the issue we had before.
2: Right. You know, this is taxation with representation. Um, but they, these were just, they weren't, they were excise taxes, which is a tax on a specific good, Right specific type of good. They were tariffs, which is a tax on foreign imports. Yeah. And they were, um, sales taxes, basically.
0: Yeah. 1812 was the first sales tax on gold, silverware, jewelry, and watches. So that's pretty much a luxury tax, really. Yeah.
2: So right off the bat, the first tax on a personal tax on a person, um, is, affects the wealthy.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. The, um, the history of the taxes here, as you look at it, there was a lot of installing a tax and then repealing it and saying, no, that's not right. And then they'll put in another tax, and then they would say, no, we, that's not right.
2: Well, what's funny is that pattern that you're talking about is followed because the taxation is usually imposed on the wealthy, and yeah. then the wealthy figures out how to get out of it, and it goes on everybody else's shoulder, and then it's repealed.
0: Yeah, this is nothing – the stuff that we see now, people arguing about, it's kind of – was exactly the same back then, which is really – Kind of funny when you think about it. Yeah. You know? This yeah. is nothing new. So uh in 1862 is when we got our first national income tax. Um and uh part of this was to support the Union Army. Congress passed laws in 1861 and 1862 um and the office of Commissioner of Internal Revenue, which we know is IRS today, was uh set up by the Tax Act of
2: eighteen sixty-two. Yeah, let's And uh, just for a second, Chuck, like let's think about this. The beloved Abe Lincoln is directly responsible for the income tax and the IRS. Yeah, I like mean it happened on his watch.
0: Sure, I, I guess you can't set up an income tax without a body to regulate it and to enforce it, which is basically what that did in 1862.
2: Right, and we were talking about taxes being um, created to uh, to be imposed on the wealthy. Um, between 1812 or 1817 with that, when that tax, the luxury good tax was terminated. Yeah. And 1862, there weren't any taxes like that at all. There weren't any personal taxes. Yeah. And the U.S. government funded itself from tariffs, right? So all of these foreign import goods coming in. Yeah. Imports. Exports all, too. Well, the tariffs were on imports apparently, okay. mostly. Um, because this allowed companies this this basically led to the US economy booming because they like all of the internal stuff all of the domestically produced stuff yeah. wasn't subject to any tariffs so they didn't have to compete yeah. they had cheaper prices and these companies used uh, this this stuff to enrich themselves which led to the uber wealthy which in turn led to the first income tax in 1862 to tax the uber wealthy
0: that's right uh, and in 1863, they started collecting this income tax for the first time, and it was a graduated tax, kind of like we see today. Um, if you earned between six hundred and ten thousand dollars and 10000 a year, you paid 3%. If you made higher than that, you paid more than that, percentage-wise. Um that, I, I mean, was that was the first income tax. So it's always...
2: 3% and then 5% if you made over 10000 Yeah,
0: it, it's always funny to me when I hear like, our founding fathers, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, your founding fathers, is this is exactly how they set it up. So I guess the argument is, well, not those founding fathers, just certain founding fathers I agree with. Well, it depends on the founding father.
2: Well, it's it, just I hate
0: hearing the argument, our founding fathers, when people don't even really know. Exactly what our founding fathers were doing, like imposing a graduated tax first right off the bat. Right. You know.
2: Well, the the um, I only recently realized that there was the what we have today is in the United States, the form of government we have is part of what's called the Jeffersonian Revolution. Uh-huh. Where basically the founding fathers, Monroe, Madison, Washington, sure, came up with a, a, a country. Sure. Yeah. They came up with a country that's different than the one we have now, and the reason that it's different now is because Jefferson came along and said, no, nah, we can do better than this, so let's change this, and that's what we have now. So it's kind of fathers. hazy. Yeah. yeah. Which which founding father are you talking about?
0: So uh, like we were saying, it went back and forth. Uh, there was a flat tax in 1867 instead of a graduated tax, and then five years after that, they repealed income tax altogether. Yeah, And they said... This is not right. It is unconstitutional. Um, it's got to abide by a constitutional guideline, and it does not. And that was uh, the income tax of 1894.
2: That was where the tariffs were. I'm sorry, I misspoke earlier. Between 1872 and 1894, uh-huh. that's where the U.S. government was just Lived on tariffs. Lived on tariffs yeah. And that allowed the economy to boom, railroads to grow, and the, a class of uber wealthy to get even wealthier. They were there before. Right. But, um, like, this is when the, the, the Carnegie's came along, and right. the Rockefellers, like, started to develop Bravo out Baron. of this. And so all these people said, hey man, like, these people should, should be paying some, some taxes here. Yeah. And that's where they came from. That's where the 1894 tax came from.
0: Yeah, and that tax, 2% of personal income, more than $4,000. Again, tax on the wealthy. Uh, and the Supreme Court is, that's when they struck that one down as unconstitutional. So in 1913, Congress got around all this by making it a part of the Constitution. And said, you know what? We'll create the 16th Amendment. Congress shall have the power to lay in, collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived. And uh, without is... apportion, por- uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, apportionment among the several states without regard to any census.
2: Right, which is the hang up before.
0: Yeah, like it doesn't matter how populated your state is. Like this has nothing to do with state. It's just a national tax.
2: Right. And originally, the 1894 income tax was a tax on the uber-wealthy, those making more than $4,000 a year, which is super wealthy. <laughs> yeah. Um And the uber-wealthy fought it, got the Supreme Court to strike it down. And so t- under Taft's watch, they said, well, we can get around this by just amending the Constitution. That's what they did. And apparently, from this, the 16th Amendment, like before, Chuck, it was like, um, you were more a participant in your state. Yeah. And there was the federal government, but it was the federal government and they didn't mean a whole lot to you. When the 16th Amendment was passed, that changed everything because now you were a payer to the federal government. Um, and the federal government also had the states kind of by the short hairs because the states relied now on federal grants that were generated through your tax dollars. Yeah. So the federal government really asserted itself as a central power, it consolidated power into the federal government with the 16th Amendment more than anything else before.
0: And they never looked back.
2: They certainly didn't, no. Um, in
0: 1913, uh, with the Underwood Tariff Act, um, they basically kicked off the, the modern system that we have. And during World War II, they started withholding taxes instead of just tallying up your bill and paying at the end of the year, you have, uh, as we all know and love now, you have part of your paycheck withheld.
2: Yeah, pay-as-you-earn system. That's right. And that funds the government continuously because every pay period, your employer, which who withholds the, the your money on behalf of the government, submits it to a Federal Reserve Bank and the government earns interest on it and has constant income. That's right. It's like a paycheck for the government.
0: That's <laughs> exactly what it is. Uh, so let's, let's walk people through, uh, and, and I think this article does right by it, like picking out just one person. Joe. I don't want to call him Joe. I'm so tired of that.
2: What do you want to call
0: him? Well, I have Cyrus written down.
2: Alright, we'll go with Cyrus. <laughs>
0: alright. So Cyrus gets a job. Cyrus gets a wage he agrees to with his employer and says, alright, this is fair. We'll take this job. Uh, and the employer says, alright, Cyrus, you got to fill out this W-4. And, um, That's one of your tax forms, and you got to do it right when you get hired. And it's going to list all your withholding allowances and all your dependents and child care expenses and basically everything that you need to know, Mr. Employer, like how much money to hold out of my paycheck. Right. So I fill out the W-4. Now you know. Now you're withholding. And now at the end of the year, me, Cyrus, I want to see if I can kind of project how I did this year. Am I going to be paying? Am I going to be getting it back? So here's how you do that.
2: So uh, you take your gross income. The number is, that
0: we all wish we actually made. Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's all the money you have from salary, from interest income, from pensions. Yeah. All the money you have coming in. That's your gross income, right? And then you go through adjustments. And adjustments are basically um, – a uh, little uh, little mulligans that the government gives you. It says, all right, you can you can yeah. subtract this from your gross income, which like lowers you your gross pay income.
0: Pay alimony, let's say. Sure. Or if you um uh tax on your self employment if you moved moving expenses for your job. That's one too. Stuff like that.
2: And all these things, so adjustments, deductions which we'll talk about, all of these things credits, they're all basically Um, behaviors that the government wants to encourage. Yeah. So they give you, they give you the ability to subtract those amounts from your, uh, your, um, gross income. Yeah.
0: They incentivize these things.
2: Yeah. Like they want you to work so you can deduct child care expenses under some, some, uh, regimes or, uh, they want you to go to college so you can deduct, uh, college expenses, things like that. Right. So So
0: that's your adjusted gross income.
2: Right. When you subtract your, uh, adjustments. Right.
0: From your gross. So that's your AGI. And then you got a couple of choices here. When you go to fill out your tax forms, you can either do the standard deduction or itemize everything out. You're going to want to choose whichever one is greater, obviously. So you can get the biggest uh, chunk for yourself. Um, All sorts of itemized deductions. Like if we had a tax accountant in here, they would probably laugh if we tried to. Break down itemized deductions.
2: There's a lot of them, and they get really weird. Like, for example, a good example that um, if you're a bodybuilder, a professional bodybuilder, which I am, uh, oil, body oil, I write off all my oils can be written <laughs> off as a business expense.
0: Yeah, and you know, when I used to freelance in the film industry, there are all sorts of cool things you can write off, like your movie tickets. Oh, cool! And your cable bill, and uh, stuff like that. Um, you can write off your interest on your home mortgage uh charitable contributions some medical and dental expenses all sorts of things within the law that you can uh they call them write offs your deductions or you can just go with the standard deduction again right you don't have to itemize everything out
2: no but a lot of tax people say uh tax professionals say at least go through and make sure you shouldn't be uh, itemizing yeah for sure cuz if it's even a penny more maybe not a penny but if it's yeah. a little more it's worth the trouble most of the time, and it is a lot of extra paperwork. Um, but you know, you save yourself some money as you're deducting from it. You're deducting from your income. And then finally, after you have your adjusted gross income and you subtract all the deductions for it, that, that number that you have, that's your taxable income. So the more you can deduct from it, the lower your tax burden is going to be.
0: Yeah. I can't remember which. There's a commercial going around now about one of the, um, Accounting firms that says that Americans left a billion dollars on the table.
2: Oh, for Buffalo Wild Wings Cafe.
0: (laughs) If you're getting your taxes done at Buffalo
2: Wild Wings, then you get a free dozen wings. That'd be awesome. Did you hear that um, they may have Doritos flavored wings coming out? I can't tell you how excited I am about this.
0: I don't get the whole Doritoization of everything.
2: You need to get on the bandwagon, yeah. dude, because there is a lot of fun to be had eating Dorito-based foods.
0: Remember, we were kids, and that was Doritos. That was it. It was like the guy with the mustache would sell you this one Dorito, and now there's like...
2: <laughs> Wait, what? Where were you buying Doritos one at a time from a guy with no, it was a mustache? That
0: guy on the commercial, he was—he uh, looks sort of like Gene Shalit. Oh, you're talking about the Frito Bandito. That's different. That's no, Fritos. I'm talking about the Doritos guy. Really? I'm, no, I'm you're thinking
2: sure. of Mr. Pringles. <laughs>
0: But now they, you know, you go to the store. It's just overwhelming. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but different shapes and sizes and flavors. And
2: they're they're just like let's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Just give me a Dorito or Cool Ranch. Cool Ranch is great. I have to abide by the Cool Ranch. They brought the original version out too, and those are pretty great too. Just regular nacho cheese Doritos, right? No, even before that, there was an original version. It's like uh, taco, basically. It's orange bag. It's an orange bag.
0: I think that's yeah. This is the one I grew up on. Obviously,
2: no, the nacho one is the red bag, and then blue is cool. What race. is this like the 1920s? No, what do you mean? When they had the original no, no, taco? No, like the 60s or 50s. 60s, okay. yeah, even before your time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you've got your taxable income. You go to the IRS tables if you make less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. You go to the rate schedules if you earn more than a hundred thousand dollars a year. And like we said, it's a marginal tax rate system, um, or graduated. There are different tax brackets depending on how much you make.
2: Yeah, there's seven this year in 2013. So what's the low? Is it still 10%? Yep. 10%, 15%, 25%, 28%, 33%, 35%, and then for earners of, uh, 400,000 or over, I think single earners of 400k or over, it's 39.6%. Of yeah, your so money. pay, but so it's a marginal tax rate, meaning that um, that you fall into one bracket or another. But sure. if you earn hundred thousand um, dollars, you're not going to owe, uh, I think, twenty eight thousand dollars. I think it falls into maybe the twenty eighth percentile. You wouldn't owe twenty eight thousand dollars of your adjusted gross income, or uh, yeah, uh, what you would owe is. Ten percent uh, up to the uh, the top of the ten percent bracket. Okay. Fifteen percent of the high of the fifteen percent bracket, and so on until you reach your bracket. And you subtract your adjusted gross income from the top of that, or right. from the bottom of that bracket, and then you owe like twenty eight percent of that.
0: Okay, that makes more sense.
2: It's a lot easier if if say like you know if you're making a hundred thousand dollars or less, you just go to the tax table and you're like there it yeah. is. But it's also fairly easily calculated as well.
0: So what do you want to make? $99,999?
2: Well, here's the thing. Is you that the want, goal? You want to make as much as you possibly can, I think. Sure. But then you want to have. If that's what you're into, so, by the sure. way. Sure. We're not saying everyone has to pursue the dollar. Right. But if you are pursuing the dollar and you don't want to pay more tax than you have to, um, the, you, you want to make a, a high salary and then f- have a lot of adjustments. Yeah. Um the problem is is that there is this thing that was introduced in the uh sixties, nineteen sixty nine, I think, or maybe the seventies. Um, was the alternative minimum tax. Sorry, that came around in the eighties, nineteen eighty two. The alternative minimum tax was introduced to keep high earners from just deducting absolutely everything and paying a very low tax. Right. Um And it made sense at the time because it was imposed on high earners. The problem is, is the cutoff that was originally introduced, something like 60,000 or something like that, Uh at that time was a lot of money, Right. but it was never indexed to inflation. So as uh, the value of the dollar grew weaker over time through inflation- Why didn't they index it to inflation? That's weird. Well, because now something like 95% of wage earners fall- Subject to the um, the minimum tax. Oh, okay. So it's basically like an extra tax now. Right. And what the alternative minimum tax does is say, okay, great. You went through and you figured out all your deductions. That's beautiful. What we're going to do is take your adjusted gross income minus deductions, mm-hmm. that nice little number that you got it to, and we're going to add those deductions back. Right. And we're going to come up with your alternative adjusted alternative income figure. And then we're going to figure that out how much extra you owe on top of your normal 1040. And that's your full tax. You're going to add that to the 1040 tax amount that you owe. And we're going to come up with the actual tax you owe, including alternative minimum. And apparently, basically, everybody's subject to it one way or another, even if you don't itemize. Even if you choose the standard deduction, you probably owe something on the alternative minimum tax.
0: So it sounds like what you're saying is that no matter what we do and no matter how clever we try to get with our accounting, all they have to do is throw in the word another adjust.
2: Right, they add those adjustments <laughs> right back in.
0: They can just throw in another word, no no no, we need to adjust it again. And some at some point you got to stop adjusting.
2: Right, exactly. So the the key here is then if you're still if you're like okay, I'm subject to the alternative minimum tax. I, I, um, I want to earn a high salary, but I don't want to pay too much tax. The, the thing that doesn't, the adjustment or the deduction, I'm sorry, that doesn't get added back, um, to your, your gross income when Mm -hmm. you're figuring the alternative minimum tax is charity, charitable contributions. Oh, okay. So the key then would be to max those out as much as possible. And then that would, I imagine, lower your tax a little bit as far as alternative minimum tax goes. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. It's like, here's your tax, and then now do it again and pay more.
3: Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details.
1: What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another. Kind of fun. But most importantly, at King's Island, you'll find, for the fun of it, kind of fun.
0: Don't wait to start your fun season. King's Island is now open on weekends. That's it Because they
2: didn't adjust it to in inflation. Yeah.
0: All right. I think we're here toward the end of this portion. You have your gross tax liability, finally.
2: And we should say also, I'm sorry, um, that... As of 2012, it became finally indexed to inflation. Oh, okay. But, I mean, for 30 years, it yeah. wasn't, and it just kept hitting more and more and more people. Well, that's important, though. That's good.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, so we have your gross tax liability now, Cyrus's. Cyrus is going to subtract any credits that are still there, and then that final number is Cyrus's net tax. Cyrus. So that's either what he's going to pay or what he's going to get back. And come April 15th, uh, sometime between January 31st, when he gets his W-2 from his employer and April 15th, he's going to have to figure all that out, either by himself or with the help of someone who knows what they're doing. Um, your W-2 is going to break down uh, everything you made, basically. It's also in your final paycheck, but the W-2 is what you send in. Right. So you need a separate copy.
2: And supposedly the um, your employer, your... Uh, anybody who, who is going to send you money about income you made or documents about income you made, um, has to give you those documents by January 31st. That's right. Okay. Uh,
0: uh and then here's the fun part. They take all your information and they store it on magnetic tape machines from the 1950s.
2: <laughs> yeah. You found this. Um, this is pretty crazy.
0: Well, it stood out to me when I saw magnetic tape machines. I was like, how old is this All right and apparently that's still the case because um they don't have the funding to upgrade their systems so they have the magnetic tape program and uh obama's is tried i think um in 2012 to increase funding to correct that
2: by like a billion and a half dollars
0: uh 2.1 billion i don't know if it went through or not
2: so like you found chuck you stumbled upon the very reason why tax refunds take forever. Yeah. Because there's up to a two week period between when this, the refund or the tax return is filed, um, and it, and it ends up on the magnetic tape where it's like, it doesn't even exist as far as the IRS is concerned. Yeah, there's
0: no data whatsoever.
2: Cause they're using magnetic tapes. <laughs> um, alright, so. Oh, and apparently also in this article that you sent, um, they were saying that the, the encryption, for the IRS is like pretty sad as well.
0: That's heartening.
2: Yeah. And a security breach is, is all but inevitable. Yeah. If it hasn't happened, like if it doesn't happen on a daily basis already.
0: Wow. Yeah. All right. So the, a lot of people complain about taxes in this country and probably worldwide. Um, so over the years have been a lot of different, uh, solutions proposed, different kinds of taxes, alternatives, if you will. Uh, one very popular one, um, because it keeps coming back up. At least is the flat tax. Um,
2: I think also people like to say it flat tax. Yeah. You know,
0: uh, Steve Forbes and Dick Army, um, were big on the flat tax. And that was one of Steve Forbes' big, uh, uh, one of the foundations of his presidential campaign was a flat tax of 17% ish. Um, basically everyone pays the same tax no matter what. Um, you're, you're, Complicated tax code is gonna be bye bye and you're gonna get something about the size of a postcard to fill out. Right. It's about ten lines, your personal income, any personal allowances, your wage, your salary, and then what is your seventeen percent nut that you owe.
2: Right. Makes sense. What's the problem? Seventeen percent, that'd be great for everybody.
0: Yeah, well, critics will say that it's uh favors the wealthy and puts higher taxes on uh the burden on those who don't make as much money.
2: Yeah, because if you're paying 10%, if you're in the 10% bracket, suddenly you're paying 7% more on your income.
0: True. Uh, under Dick Army's um, flat tax that he proposes, uh, anyone making less than 36800 pays no taxes, which is different than Forbes's.
2: Right, which, if if that's still part of his plan, I couldn't find if he'd adjusted it. Right. Then that, that actually is a pretty good plan if it would still satisfactorily fund the government because... That would mean that uh, everybody, if you were, like, you would pay no tax for thirty-eight-six, right? Yeah, um, thirty-six-eight. 36.8. Thirty-six-eight. 36.8. Yeah. And so anybody above that would still be paying less because that falls in the twenty-five percent bracket, which means that you would automatically, everybody would automatically be downgraded tax-wise. Yeah. Which is pretty good. The problem is, is you know, would that fund the government? Right. Is that the issue? Well, yeah. I mean, think about this. So we're at historically low levels of income taxes, right? Like um, in the 60s, under JFK and LBJ's watch, the tax rates were in the 90th percentile. The highest tax you could yeah. pay was up to 90% of your income. I thought that was wrong, of and your I income. triple-checked
0: no. it, and it was like... People think taxes are bad now. That is nuts.
2: There's been plenty of other times during the, um, during booming times, like the post-war period saw yeah. high taxes where taxes have been up to 70% for people. Um, and these are the high, this is the highest bracket, but there have been many times where it's very high, very low. And apparently the situation is we, um, we'll have like a, a bubble, a, an economic boom cycle. And as a result, we'll lower taxes. And then things get tight, and then extremely high taxes follow. So apparently, considering the amount of federal spending going on right now, our yeah. taxes are alarmingly low. So the idea of a 17% tax across the board, it, we, it basically bankrupt the, um, the the U.S.
0: Well, maybe they should be a little smarter with how they spend their money.
2: Well, that's a, a lot of people say that. Yeah. You know, maybe we talked about that in the debt ceiling episode. Yeah. Um, but there are some some countries that have instituted flat taxes, especially a handful of Baltic states. Does it work? Uh, I mean, they've been doing it since the '90s. Some of them have. It, it's kind of hard to compare, though, you know. Yeah, because I mean, you know, Just
0: apples to oranges.
2: Uh, 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 apple to a slightly different type of apple.
0: Granny Smith to the Red Delicious. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but there's also a lot of people who say, "Well, yeah, Estonia is still around. Yeah. Its economy is growing." But there's also this thing called the value-added tax that is really helping their revenue as well that right. is in addition to the flat
1: tax.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so another alternative, the national sales tax has been floated for a while now, uh, and it seems to be gaining traction, or maybe I'm just reading into it. Um, basically, this is the argument that taxing income decreases productivity, which sort of makes sense when you think about it. Like... Basically, what they want to do is eliminate corporate income tax, eliminate capital gains tax, eliminate estate and gift taxes, and institute anywhere between 15 and 30% national sales tax. Also, eliminate social security tax, the employer part, employee and, uh, part.
2: And abolish the IRS.
0: And abolish the IRS. They want to
2: repeal the 16th Amendment.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, and uh, under, I don't know if it was Alan Keyes, if it was his plan specifically, or just generally with the national sales tax they would exempt all consumption up to the poverty line. So at the end of the year if your total expenditures were less than the poverty line, mm-hmm. then you would get all that money refunded to you that you paid in national sales tax.
2: That's a big deal because the uh, the national sales tax any is a consumption tax. Yeah. And a consumption tax is um by nature regressive meaning that the burden is is heavier on the poor. And the yeah. reason the burden is heavier on the poor with the consumption tax is because the poor spend more of their money on necessities.
0: Yeah, that would be taxed. Yeah, these are retail items.
2: Right. So therefore, more of the poor's income is taxed than somebody who's wealthy. Like if the poor is like if if you have a um a lower income person spending eighty percent of their money on necessities. Yeah, food, what whatever, um, that means eighty percent they pay an eighty percent taxes, or they'd pay taxes on 80% of their income. Whereas if you're wealthy and you're spending 20% of your income on these necessities, you're only spending, you're only being taxed on 20% of your income. Right. So that makes it a regressive tax, which is the big, the big criticism of the sales tax, the national sales tax. That and it probably wouldn't provide enough funding to, to fund the government. Once again. To fund yeah. the big bloated government, at least.
0: <laughs> and they say that, uh, some people that advocate for it said, well, if we tweaked it to where it was only retail and it was also stocks and bonds included, mm-hmm. then that might change the argument some. Um, but there is definitely an argument to be made that the current system punishes people who save money, like the, that don't spend, because you get taxed on your money, mm-hmm. and then let's say you want to take that money and put it in your bank, you get taxed on that again on the interest you earn. All right. So it's set, like you're getting taxed twice. So there's the government has to set up a lot of incentive to go out and earn as much and save as much as you can. Yeah, you know.
2: Well, plus banks aren't exactly encouraging savings right now with the terrible interest rates they're offering.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
2: Um, what about corporate taxes? You know much about those?
0: I know that the the income tax, national income tax, would get rid of corporate income tax as well as the individual.
2: Right. So with corporate income taxes as it stands now, yeah. the U.S. has, a, um, flag, I guess, a flat rate of 35%. But um, very famously, a lot of companies have great accounting departments that are really good at getting around paying taxes. Companies do that? <laughs> yeah. So GE in 2010 made $14 billion. Okay. That's more than me. Almost $5.5 That's more than you and me combined. <laughs> <laughs> Almost $5.5 were made in the U.S. Yeah. And um, they paid zero dollars in taxes in the U.S. Wow. And in fact, applied for a three point two billion dollar tax credit. Okay. Okay. Um, Apple paid zero taxes to any government between two thousand nine and two thousand twelve, despite making thirty billion dollars. Yeah, but their iPhones were so cute. Right. And then um, in two thousand ten, also Warren Buffett very famously pointed out that he paid um, six point nine million dollars in personal income taxes. Yeah. But. Had, were his assets not incorporated in Berkshire Hathaway, he would have paid um, $1.6 billion, yeah. an extra billion dollars in income taxes. So he points this out to say, like, the corporate tax system is broken. Yeah, You don't – like, anybody can get around it. So we need to fix this as well, not – Do away with it. You need to close the, the loopholes that are allowing this. Yeah. But then that brings up the big argument. Well, it's going to keep America from being competitive because we're going to pay higher taxes. It's going to drive jobs overseas and companies are going to shut down here in the U.S. Yeah. Apparently that's not ever been proven that that's all just kind of hot air.
0: Yeah. Um, they, they, some people contend that high tax rates on the rich, um, don't hurt the economy. And don't uh, disincentivize people to work hard. Yeah. Um, like you said, in the fifties and sixties, it was ninety percent, and the economy and the stock market were booming back then. And I'm not arguing for any of it. I think it's all just broken, and and I don't know if there is a solution because corporations and the wealthy are the very people that have the ability to find the loopholes. Yeah, that's four people go to H&R block and just right. fill out their taxes and bam.
2: Yeah, it's sad. It like that's that's we don't have an accounting department, you and I. No. Like, you know, we hopefully get as many deductions as we want and then we get slapped with the alternative minimum tax and yeah. they get added right back in. I don't have Do you have a Swiss bank account? I'm not talking about that. Do you honest. have a bank in the Cayman Islands? <laughs> Let's change the subject. But uh, yeah, it's so that's I mean just the unfairness of it is is um reason enough to change the the tax structure, the tax code. Well,
0: that's why a flat tax initially makes a little sense because it's, it's just everyone pays the same, but people will still find their way around that. Well, Wealthy if, people will still find their way around it, it seems like, somehow. The way that you find your, your way money. around
2: it is, is just, again, th- it's through loopholes. Yeah. through And whether it's a personal deduction or if you hold your money overseas, you don't owe tax on it. If you do away with loopholes and instituted a flat tax of seventeen percent, then for corporations as well, then that would I I mean, if it could if it could fund the government, if it didn't have to cut social services and all this other stuff, then I'm all for it.
0: All right. We have uh, you found an interesting story from uh, about fourteen years ago where some businesses decided oh, yeah. to stop paying taxes.
2: Yeah, and we'll talk about it right now, right? No, right after this message
3: break. Oh, okay. get what you want without the complicated AT&T Fiber lives like a there. available wherever you will get your podcast limited to availability in select areas visit AT&T.com hypergig for details
1: what kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island the holy cow we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun the make a splash all summer kind of fun The, I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at King's Island, you'll find, for the fun of it, kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. King's Island is now open on weekends.
0: All right, so you found this story, which I thought was pretty interesting, where some small businesses in the early 2000s thought they had found a loophole Um. That basically said that they are not subject to pay taxes as a small business owner.
2: Right, that not Not, only Not personal
0: income, right, but the business. No, both. Oh, okay.
2: So basically there's this thing called the 861 argument. Is this the the rumor that
0: that legally you don't really have to pay income tax? Yes. Okay, that's not true, though.
2: Uh, Well, it was up for interpretation. I think had these people um, sued the government, and continued to pay taxes, Mm -hmm. this movement would have had a lot more teeth. Right. But instead, a lot of people, just a lot of tax resistors, just out of protest, stopped paying taxes. There's a trend in the late 90s and up to 2000, 2003 or four, Uh where people were very loudly in public holding press conferences saying, I'm a business owner, and I'm not paying income taxes any longer, and I'm not going to withhold my employees' taxes on behalf of the federal government, I don't have to. yeah, that's a service that businesses provide the federal government. It's not a mandate, and I think it's illegal that they're paying taxes. so we're not doing it, and we're not filing taxes either as a business.
0: yeah, Nate, they, they had backup from a former IRS employee right that said, you're right, they can't come after you.
2: yeah, so apparently in the code there's um there's a a, a part called eight sixty one where it says that taxes are generated by non-American business activities. Right. So the 861 position is that if you work for an American company and you're an American, like any income you make that's domestic, which is anything that you or I do or anything most people do, um, is not subject to taxation. And these people tried it. They tested it, but they didn't really test it in the courts. Right. And most of them got dragged to jail and are have just gotten out of prison or are still serving prison terms. But a lot of them aren't being forced to pay back taxes, which is weird.
0: Well, apparently the IRS is woefully underfunded in terms of uh how much they can pursue these people. Right. That's why you could be a tax cheat and get away with it. Right. If, and you're, that, if your number isn't called, but, you know, you take that risk.
2: That's why they were... um they apparently these people misinterpreted the IRS's inability to prosecute them yeah. with the IRS's um ability? L- <laughs> legal ability yeah. to to go after them. Yeah. And they 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 took it as the IRS capitulating to their argument and instead really it was like, um we're we're kinda busy right now. Right. But we'll come get you in two thousand five. What was your name again? And they did. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah. So a lot of people went to jail. Um, and 861 is kind of dead and Wesley Snipes famously invoked argument. Oh, did he? Yeah.
0: Interesting. I wonder if Willie did.
2: Uh, not that I saw,
0: you know, there's a big push now that the, um, you know, the NFL national football league is tax exempt.
2: <laughs> so messed up.
0: And, uh, there's a lot of stink at being, you know, cause I don't think a lot of people knew this until sort of recently. And of course now with the internet, gets on social media and people are like, what they're, they're not a nonprofit. So, um, yeah, social petitions. media helps change
2: yeah. things quite a bit, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, there are petitions going around, uh, to remove the NFL from that tax exemption.
2: Like, exempt list. why would they be tax exempt? Uh, it's complicated. It's so stupid. It's like you, Joe Public, you're paying the alternative minimum tax, but this enormous Cyrus. economic <laughs> engine over here yeah. is is exempt. Why not?
0: Yeah, and not the individual teams and owners like Arthur Blank of the Falcons, and the Falcons organization has to pay taxes. Well, oh, that's heartening. But the NFL as a as the uh, larger body does not. Gotcha. But um,
2: yeah, it's kind of messed up. They should probably pay taxes. So we could sit here all day, alternately giving facts and Opinions. railing <laughs> on um, yeah, the income tax. But I think we we got it.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure we'll hear from all sides on this one. Yeah, bring it on. I look forward to it.
2: Uh, if you want to learn more about the income tax, you can type income tax into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, since I said search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, it means it's time for listener mail.
0: Uh, I'm going to call this. We may have saved a life. Hey, guys. My name is Zach Freeland. I'm a graphic design student at Grand Valley State University. Go Lakers. Um, this is about his concussion. He uh, went to sit down in his bed one night in his dorm and smacked the back of my head my roommate's bunk. Heard a bit, but I went to class and forgot all about it. Uh, About five hours later, in a drawing class, I began to get all the symptoms I usually got uh, with a migraine. The next day, I had a bit of a headache, and then the next day as well. So that Wednesday, I started to suspect I had a concussion and planned to go to the hospital the next day. But that night, I put on the podcast and listened to the one on concussions. Mm -hmm. And he said it was alarming enough to where I went to the ER immediately and didn't wait till the next day. And at the ER, uh, ER, the doctor told me I had an aneurysm or brain cancer, and I was—it uh, was odd to breathe a sigh of relief to find out it was only an aneurysm. Um, I talked to the doctors and they said <laughs> it's
2: only an aneurysm. <laughs> well,
0: it's better than brain cancer, I guess. Uh, I talked to the doctors. They said I should be fine to finish my time at school, uh, which made it uh, possible for me to get further treatment at home. Went into surgery. They stuffed my aneurysm with platinum coils. <laughs> I guess that's what they do. And the doctor said, if I had not have come in, I might not have lived a whole lot longer. Uh, The aneurysm had already grown from the first hospital visit to the second. So, guys, I want to say thank you for uh, letting you know that uh, you make this podcast. And because of the concussion one, if it hadn't scared the crap out of me, I might not be here today.
2: That is pretty awesome.
0: And, hey, if this ends up in the air, give a shout out to the Detroit City Football Club. Minor League Soccer Team, most passionate fans in the nation, no joke. So uh, go Detroit City Football Club.
2: Yeah, that's a good shout-out.
0: That's uh, Zach Freeland. Thanks, Zach. Hope you're recouping well, sir. This is a a while ago. Yeah. Sorry it took so long to get on the air.
2: Take care, Zach. Thank you for listening to us and letting us save your life. Uh, If we saved your life, you know me and Chuck always want to hear about those. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com StuffYouShouldKnow. And you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at Discovery.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey, if you haven't heard of visible, well, now you have.